Growing up, uh, my family, we are very, very close. I'm very close with my father. Uh, and as you may be able to tell just by the way that we interact. And, you know, God has brought us through a lot. But even aside from this, I grew up, I mean, there, there's affection in our household. You know, like when we come in the house, we pray together. This is one of the things that we have passed on in our family. And, you know, I mean, my, I kiss my dad and my dad will kiss me on the cheek. And we kiss each other and we just show affection just because we're grateful. And that's kind of the pattern that we grew, grew up with. My dad is very involved in my life. T-ball, you know, uh, track and field all of those things and all when I launched my first church he was there you know uh, when I was 20 years old uh, you know 17 years ago this year and you know he's been there along the journey and the thing is you know that it, with this closest with my dad he has always felt like my father you know he's my father I, I love him and I'm so grateful that he's my father but the thing is if you can imagine someone that's so generous Someone that's so kind, as I told you, he, you know, literally spearheaded a homeless feeding program that has fed thousands and feeds thousands in the city and all around the world now in various places. As you can imagine, there are many people who look to him and they look to him for counsel. Uh, you know, I never forget the first time somebody showed up at the house talking about this is their dad. And I was just looking like, yo, fam, move from here before you get a box, guy. Like, what do you mean this is your dad? You know, are you serious? Like... You know, this is my dad. I came from him. I, this is blood of blood. Like, are you, what do you mean? You know, and this, this started, I started hearing more people referring to him in a fatherly manner, in a fatherly role. And, you know, although I had a special relationship with him and a personal relationship with him and still do, I realized that he was still able to be my father, but also able simultaneously to be our father. Come on, somebody. Can I just paint the picture? And so, you know, I realized that I couldn't be selfish. I couldn't be selfish uh, because the fact of the matter is there are other people who needed someone like him in their life. And he has been able to bless them. Are y'all going to stay awake with me on this morning? Come on, somebody. And they were, they were, they, you know, were blessed by him and, and they were, you know, and so they claim him as not their natural father, but some their spiritual father, some their surrogate father. And then even myself now, as I've gotten older and have been able by God's grace to father children in the gospel or in the ministry and ordain several people and train for ministry. And not only that, but even, you know, um, even though we are younger, there are many that look to me uh, in a fatherly role. And I realize, even with my kids, the same sort of a dynamic where as a pastor and as a father, they have to share their father. doesn't make me any less of their dad who's with me. Just because I'm able to be a blessing uh, to other people and to be able to pastor and shepherd and father other people. And so, you know, this was the thought process that I was in as we were starting this passage. And I'm so excited to unpack this passage because we find Jesus declaring here in this Matthew chapter 6 such a potent passage. And it's in this, this prayer is in all the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are the uh, Matt, are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and those three gospels, the reason why they're called synoptic, everybody say synoptic, 
is because they give a synopsis of certain events. And not only that, they all record uh, similar events that transpired throughout the life of Jesus. The Gospel of John is more about the passion of Jesus and his heart. And this is, he's known as the disciple who he calls himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, you know, so he was, he was having some heart stuff going on with Jesus, whereas the others most definitely did, but they more were chronicling similar events. When John tells stories uh, in a little bit different of a manner and includes certain details but here this this framework that Jesus declares yes can be used liturgically meaning in a congregational setting where we recite it together because it's powerful but also as I started by saying Jesus through this passage teaches us theology in other words who God is uh, and his makeup but not only this ecclesiology how we are supposed to deal with one another as the church you know and so it's powerful and things that we are to do and so it's a it's chock full of all sorts of goodness it's a framework he's teaching us how we to, are to approach God and so I want to I want to deal with this and, I'm, and you're going to see where I'm going in a minute with all of this but I love if I can just deal with this uh, starting at the beginning of a verse of verse 9 when he says pray like this somebody say pray like this and here he says he noticed he doesn't say pray my father come on somebody doesn't start by saying pray my father he says he says pray our father somebody say our father and i think this is extremely intentional some translations just say father but i love that, that many of them will note this our father because it broadens it broadens god's uh, the relationship with god uh, beyond just us being in a personal sense but it extends it beyond this to uh, to to us being to the place where there is breath to this relationship god is more than just my father but he also is the father of those who uh, are also naming the name of Christ. Christians that are everywhere. And this is imperative for us because many of us realize and understand that many of us, we there, there, the, the, the fact of the matter is our focus when we think about prayer and not only prayer but when we think about christianity we think about our personal relationship with god and this idea i just want to tell you this because the plight one of the biggest plights if i can tell you this of the brand of christianity that this generation espouses the one that we gravitate the most towards you know uh it's hyper focus somebody say hyper focus in other words, really focus on a personal relationship with God. Oftentimes at the expense of the corporate faith of, Jesus, of God's body. And so we're so focused on my personal relationship with God and we're good and, you know, we're good as long as we're at home and, you know what I mean, and we have our personal relationship with God. My personal relationship with God is about me and Jesus. And oftentimes it, it, it gets to the place where we are not connected, consequently, like we should be to the rest of the body. And so it's important for us to realize and really do some introspection as we're thinking about our focus and our perspective. Is your relationship with God just about him being your father or is his relationship, your relationship with him about him being our father? Because your perspective of who God is as father will determine how it is that you act towards his children. Uh, who's with me on today? 
And so the fact of the matter is, you know, I want to bring you not just to take you out of the closet because Jesus talks about the importance of not just doing stuff in front of people so that they can see you and they can be like, look how cool and spiritual you are like Gentiles and people do. And he says they have their reward because the other extreme is that everything we do is just public for everyone to see so we can look the coolest and they can be like, oh, yeah, that person is so super spiritual. So that's the extreme of the other side that's not what we're referring to but we're talking about the balance where yes he is your father and my father but he is our father somebody say our father our father in heaven i love this you know from the inception of the christian church there has always been an emphasis on unity somebody say unity as it reflects to the oneness that is in the Trinity. So remember, if you are an Orthodox Christian or have biblical and historical Christianity, you know that history uh, is replete and talks massively about and describes God as Trinitas in the Latin or Trinity, uh, as was coined at 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea, and this idea of God being one in three distinct parts or persons so god is one not three varying gods but the idea that father is fully god son is fully god holy spirit is fully god simultaneously existing co-equal co-eternal all of this but they are one in the same and they, although they are distinct they are united and pastor leon read for our scripture reading today in john chapter 17 verse 11 very powerful jesus says i am no longer in the world but they are in the world. This is Jesus praying to the Father. So for those who are, you know, teach that Jesus is, it's only Jesus. Jesus is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And changed modes throughout history. Was the Father, then became the Son, then became the Holy Spirit. This is modalism. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm not going to go too deep into history on it. But the issue with this is we see passages like this where Jesus is there and he's praying to the Father. We see as evidence like in Matthew chapter 3 at Jesus' baptism. Jesus is there in the water. The spirit descends upon him like a dove while he's there. And the father declares simultaneously and says, this is my beloved son. Can I just teach some doctrine for a second? In whom I am well pleased. This is important because it's a lot of people out here telling you all sorts of things. And the fact of the matter is that it is a contemporary incarnation uh, of historic false doctrine and many of us think oh this is something that's new and this is so cool and this is so deep or this is so wonderful when in actuality if you look in history this is why it's important for christians to know church history too and to research for yourself to understand where stuff come from you'll see that in the early church they battled a lot of the things that we battle today and or that are popping up today and have already condemned them or considered them as heresy so it's powerful because jesus is there in john 17 and he's praying to the father and look at what his prayer is he says i'm no longer in the world but they are in the world and i am coming to you holy father keep them in your name which you have given to me now watch what his prayer is that they may be one even as we are one 
Notice that. Notice those plural terms. This is why we believe here we just see the Father and the Son. However, we see like in Acts 5 and various other places where the Holy Spirit is declared as God as well. But here, there, is a, there are these distinct parts of the Trinity. And the prayer is that, they, that we as Christ's body would be one. Somebody say, we would be one wants for us to be one so this idea of our father this is what the painter the the picture that i'm painting because this has always been god's desire however if you look around the body of christ is deeply fragmented anybody else see it other than me and the fact of the matter is it's you know as a result of protestantism and what transpired with just within the last 500 years there are literally over 30,000 denominations and so people are looking around like, what on earth? Which one is right? And where am I supposed to go? And how do I know this person is right? And these people are claiming this. And these people are claiming this. And all this. And how do I know what's right and what's wrong? And these people, are, and everybody's saved in here. And everybody's not saved here. And if you do, and so it can be confusing when you look at what's happening around the world. But Jesus' prayer is still possible. Come on, somebody. The body of Christ is deeply fragmented because humans are still involved. Anybody uh, imperfect like me up here? And the fact of the matter is there is fragmentation, but it does not nullify the possibility of unity. And I'm, I'm just painting this picture because I want us to get this. I don't got a lot of time. But this has been the desire from the inception of the Christian church. And when we are unified, we are displaying the oneness of our triune God. We are able to see that although we are distinct parts, come on somebody, that we still can be unified and be one around the things that matter the most. And so I love it because Jesus says in John 13, 35, this is a good one to write down for those of you who are note takers and also online. You help me in the chat. Shout out to our online host. God bless you. And so the thing is that John 13, 35, Jesus says, that people will know that we are his disciples, not by how much scripture you know, not by how, uh, how you shook it and jive and not by your holy dance and not by your tongue talking and all that wonderful stuff. But he says that they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you show one to another. The reason why it's imperative that we embrace Christ's prayer formula of our father is because, again, it challenges us to look beyond ourselves and just our spirituality and our relationship with God to getting to the place where we understand the importance of loving on people. Because when we love on our brothers and sisters, despite our distinctions and even our differences, people are able to look at us and say that although there are distinctions... Although there may be differences, these people have love. They must be the disciples of the Lord. Are you with me on this morning? This is why fellowship is important. This is why as you have the opportunity as Hebrews 10, 25, can I just talk about it? Hebrews 10, 25 says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, whether it's online, virtually, or in person, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, as is the custom of some. There are some people who, you know, are going to church and connecting with church and having God as our father has gone to the back burner. 
And now, because of the pandemic, we have found the opportunity and found reasons to be able to take the priority off of gathering. Come on, and make it to put other things there. Put football in the... And I mean, look at it, fam. You get together with church for an hour and a half or two hours if Pastor Andrew preaches too long. But at the end of the day, fact of the matter is that it is a very small portion of your time that you and I, that our families, that we're able to set apart and say we are going to commit and covenant this time because there is a blessing when we connect together in unity under our Father. Come on, there's stuff that God does and blessings that are commanded and things that transpire when we gather together with the body of Christ. I don't know about y'all. Y'all, see the thing is, that people think oh i think that y'all just need me no 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 baby fact of the matter is just as much as you need me i need you too come on somebody anybody know that pastors are not exempt from fellowship it's imperative it's such a blessing to look out and see you guys and to talk to you and to do fellowship and do life with you guys because we all need one another to be able to continue to give what it is that we need to one another so we can bless one another and also so that people can look in and see that we truly are the disciples of Christ purpose of you coming to church and and hearing music is not for you to come and see a concert can I tell you again the personalized view of our father it it is God in the church to get to the place where we come to see and deify and and idolize spiritual gifts come on somebody and it's gotten us away from the eye. I know, oh, this person sang. Oh my gosh, they sung. But did you sing? Did you? I know that you might not be able to sing. I'm not going to call anybody out. Uh, but you know, I know that you might not have the pristine, the most pristine voice or whatever, or you might have it. But the fact of the matter is, we don't come to church to look up here and see how cool everybody is. And oh, they didn't sing my song. It's not about them singing your song. It's about you getting together with our father, with us as brothers and sisters in Christ and raising our voices together, crying out, hallelujah it be your name in other words your name is uncommon there is none like you there is none above you you are set apart you are holy there is power in us coming together with that mindset it's about pulpiteering to people oh pastor preached oh my i praise the lord oh that was such a good word and we respond and we get all excited and whatever what did i talk about Lots of times people come excited and oh yeah and yes sir and praise the Lord and hallelujah. Leave it not even carrying the word or applying it. Can I just be real today? It's imperative for us to get to the place where we understand the focus, the focus of when we come together. Congregational worship, liturgy is not about performance, but it's about us coming around the our father, coming around our father, gathering together, singing together, praying together. There is power. Oh my, I have, I'm a part of a church that I've seen people declare prayer requests as Pastor Chantal has been saying them and praying over them. And people leave with their rent paid and their back bills taken care of before they even leave the building because of our father. Oh my, I've seen people in situations where they are infertile or have sicknesses that seem to be incurable. And God has opened wounds and caused miraculous things to take place around our father. Who am I talking to? Is there anybody online that knows what I'm talking about? There is power. There is power. 
when we come together around our father and by our father somebody say our father come on put some caffeine in that voice shout our father there we go listen man it's imperative even if you look historically can i tell you and i repent I repent because when I look at church history, and I've been really taking a deep dive and stuff, you know what? We have abandoned, we have strayed away. The closer you get, the further you get away from the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, when the uh, when Martin Luther protested against uh, things, aspects of Roman Catholicism, and you know, every church that is not Roman Catholic is Protestant. Everybody say Protestant. In other words, they protested or they are orthodox as well uh, because that's another major branch of Christianity. But Roman Catholics and Orthodox are similar in their perspective. But prior to the Protestant Reformation and even close to it, like the Lutheran people th that were, you know, named themselves after Martin Luther who spearheaded the Reformation. If you look back and you look the way it was, the communion was the center of all Christian gatherings. If you even look at the way just historically that it was, there would have pulpits or lecterns on the side. And even if you go to some churches right now, you will see that similar idea where their pulpit or the lecterns are on the side. But the communion table is in the center. And this is because Jesus, what, this was the last supper that he had with his disciples. And he promised that he would be present with them through the celebration of the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, whenever they, as often as they would do it. And so it's a powerful thing because this is literally an opportunity for us to tangibly, tangibly, not just spiritually, but tangibly be able to encounter Christ in the Eucharist or in communion. When we partake of communion, as Jesus commanded regularly, we are communing with God. Somebody say communing with our Father. And we are communing with one another. And this is a powerful concept. And this, if you look at church history up until the Reformation, and then as far as you further away you get from the Reformation, you see a loss of the focus and the importance of communion. And a guy by the name of Zwingli, which I'm not going to get into history, he took the focus and championed this idea that communion is just some simple little symbol. And that's why even in our church, and this is why I repent, because with communion has just been tacked on as some little thing to do at the end of service and even though it may be considered as sacred it's just a little thing that happens and it's a symbol Jesus did not teach it as symbol come on as just a mere symbol he taught it as a sacrament and so did the church that's why first Corinthians chapter 11 says that we have to be careful in taking communion how we discern the Lord's body he calls it the Lord's body he says we've got to examine ourselves because he says, as a result, this is the Apostle Paul, when we don't examine the Lord's body, he says, some of you are weak, some of you are sick, and some of you have died. Does that sound like just a mere symbol? The present, we believe that Christ is really present in the Eucharist or in the communion. It's not just a Catholic thing, big C, Roman Catholic or Orthodox. This is church history stuff. And we have become so lax and we don't understand the importance of it. And so this is something that I repent of as I didn't know. And we are going to be instituting, I'm excited, I'm just going to tell you, coming in the coming days, we are going to celebrate communion weekly. Because I want, and I, I think that's good news, and 
and we want to get to the place see isn't it weird that that's out of the ordinary when jesus left that as the last instruction before oh my okay so so it's imperative for us to understand when we're talking about our father it's 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 we these are the things that are in place that have been happening throughout church history to be able to galvanize us and get us together and watch this it's not just unity in relationship it's not just unity in fellowship but it's also unity in the faith somebody say the faith now the fact of the matter is when we're talking about these things i want you to understand that this is why throughout history we see uh, creeds that take place. Somebody say creeds. A creed is a statement of belief. And it's this idea, again, of our father. The churches prior to what is known as the Great Schism in 1054 AD when the, Roman, the Western church split from the Eastern church. Prior to that, there was only one church. For the first 1500, almost 1500 years of Christianity and the majority of Christians held and believed uh, similar things up to the schism that took place. I just, is it okay to talk about church history? I mean, I, I, I want to come to church and do more than just dancing and shouting and running around. I want us to be able to learn stuff and know stuff and go into these things. And so it was important because unity and faith, belief was important. There were people that were popping up like a guy named Arius. Everybody say Arius. And Arius is teaching that Jesus is a created being. When the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1 through 14 talks about God, nothing was created without Jesus and Jesus created everything. So how could Jesus be created if Jesus created all things? But And so it's important because his doctrine was spreading and people were holding to this thing and beginning to believe this thing. And so the council, the church councils, in other words, the bishops and the leaders from all around the world because the, the Christ, Christianity was everywhere, even in Africa. Can I talk about it? Can I even tell you, for those who think that, uh, that, that Christianity only came into Africa through the transatlantic slave trade, can I tell you to go visit Ethiopia? Can I tell you about an Ethiopian eunuch? Can I tell you about individuals that embrace Christianity? One of the oldest churches that still exists in church history is in Ethiopia. And this was before the transatlantic slave trade. So don't believe people that tell you that Christianity is just the quote unquote white person's religion and it was forced upon us. That's not Christianity. That's not, that is someone weaponizing the scripture to be able to enslave people. Oh, can I just keep it real on today? Uh, but that's not the Christianity of my God. That, and so this is why they had councils. Like, for example, in 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea, you should go look it up. And this was, there was a creed or a statement of belief that came out of this to combat the Aryan history, uh, 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 heresy, rather, that's teaching that Jesus is created, to combat the belief and the thought that Jesus is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guys like a guy named Sibelius that showed up and was teaching people coming against the Trinitarian view. And this is where they established it. And you're like, oh, well, see, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Neither is the word Bible. The word Trinity coming from the Latin Trinitas was just to describe the makeup of God as we see blatantly in Scripture. And so it's a descriptive word, but it's also with the importance of combating 
heresy. And so the Nicene Creed, I'm going to read this, and this is something we're also going to include in our beginning, including regularly in our worship, because this is hate, this is ancient faith. This is this is uh, starting out of at 325 AD, in other words, in the fourth century, and then there's additions in 381 AD to combat more forms of heresy that came about. But it declares this is this is the earliest, the earliest uh, 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 creed that we would hold on to and that many Christians still hold on to today to declare our faith in the triune God and to talk about the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is not just a man. He's fully God and fully man. And so the Nicene Creed, I want to read this to you, says we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. Some some of y'all already know this. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. I love this. I just love this stuff. Through him, all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us. Somebody say for us. Under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was bruised. The third day, he rose again. So we see the gospel here according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe, watch this, in one holy Catholic. Somebody say Catholic. Catholic, lower C, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world and to life in the world to come. Amen. This is the Nicene Creed. Can we just celebrate the Nicene Creed? Listen, man, this is important stuff. So now when you see church's statements of belief, they're usually founded in these things that you see here, right? And this is powerful because when you hear the word Catholic, people are like, yo, fam, I'm not Roman Catholic. We need to understand that the word Catholic, before we now declare people as Roman Catholic, meant universal. Somebody say universal. It's from the Latin word Catholicus and this idea of universal, this universal church and this, in other words, it was widespread and it was apostolic, meaning that it was the faith that came from the apostles and passed down. And not just this. But also, but also, even in that position, right, uh, there are many that even claim apostolic succession. And so this idea, this faith that we hold to is imperative and important. There's so much more that I can say, but this is a creed that, it, that we, that we uh, center around because the idea and the focus, the focus is that we are supposed to be one, that it is our Father, that we share fellowship, and not only do we share fellowship, but we also share faith. 
and on the things that matter even though our worship styles may differ even though we may have varying personal opinions on certain things we can be rooted in something that has history we can stand on the word we can hold to the gospel and be able to still declare with christians everywhere our father and so i end today with three points that i want you to note this and write these things down and help me in the chat here we go and if you're a note taker i want you to grab this because it's imperative and i had so much more to share but i just don't have the time i want to let you know this here's point number one as christians let's spend more time building bridges than barriers i'm just gonna say them to you as christians here it is let's spend more time building bridges than barriers many of us we're just so focused on barricading ourselves we're the only ones that have it nobody else has it other than us and it's important to realize that many people who declare this their religion and their perspective or type of christianity came into existence just a couple hundred years ago if that and christianity is two thousand years old and we're willing to give up everything and sacrifice everything to newness and innovations and stuff that pop up that counteract and come against Christianity from 2,000 years ago, even the last 500 years. Martin Luther, who reformed the Protestant or reformed the Catholic Church, he wouldn't even go to our churches if he came and saw the focus and the way that we do things now and where things are, right? And then number two, here it is. As Christians, watch this let's spend more time articulating watch this who we're for over who we're against let me say it again as christians let's spend more time articulating who we're for over who we're against when you can interact with some christians you know everybody they don't like come on somebody every type of person every people group if you love this way if you act this way if you do who are you for who do we, who do you love? <laughs> Let me get back in the spirit. But who do you love? Who, like, we know who you're against, but who are you for? Are you more interested in building bridges and finding ways to connect with people and to get them to Jesus or barricading yourself? Are you focused and are you, are you looking at just demonstrating who you're against? Or is it about who you are for? And so lastly, I'll say as Christians, let's spend more time finding common ground than troubled waters. Let's, find, let's spend more time finding common ground than identifying troubled waters. In other words, you know, people just always looking for a fight, always looking for ways for things that are an issue and a problem, judgmental in spirit. We cannot be unified if we are just judgmental. And yes, there are things that are non-negotiable. But can I tell you that a lot of the things that we separate on are not non-negotiable things. But there are things that are, actually, that are actually things that we can disagree on and still be unified in Christ. Come on somebody. I'll end it with this scripture. Mark chapter 9 verse 38 through 50. And I hope this is a blessing to you and challenges your perspective. Mark chapter 9 verse 38 through, uh, not 38 through 50, <laughs> 38 through 41. Jesus said to him, y'all are like getting nervous. Like, are you about to read that many? John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. 
And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. And I'm going to stop there. Disciples wanted to, they were trying to go and chop people up that weren't in their clique, that weren't in their crew, that weren't in their club as they were walking with Jesus. People were following Jesus and transformation and deliverance was happening through their ministry. It just looked different than what was happening in their clique and their crew. And they wanted to stop the people and be like, no, y'all stop that. And Jesus is like, listen, fam, y'all are focused on them not walking directly with me more than people being delivered and people having breakthrough. People, I told you when we first started, like, why you pray for other churches? Because they're not my competitors. They're my, co- as long, listen, as long as we preach in the same gospel, you might believe in speaking in tongues and, and somebody else might not. You might believe in drums and somebody might not. You might believe in women preaching and some might believe in not. You might believe, there are all these differences and although at the end of the day, these are differences, the fact of the matter is that we still can be unified around the gospel and we can celebrate when we see others in the kingdom winning. Because it's not my father, it's our father. Somebody that was blessed by this, go ahead and put those hands together and give the Lord some praise.